Today's reading is in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 4. And if you have a church Bible, you'll find it on page 1201. That is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, on page 1201. Hear these words. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the, the, sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Brilliant. Thank you, Benta. And morning, everyone. Uh, if you were at our annual meeting this past week, then you'll understand why I don't add my welcome to, uh, to Matt's. But uh, it is great to see you all. Uh, now, lots of chat about controversial words at the coronation yesterday. I won't ask uh, which of us pledged our allegiance uh, and which of us didn't. Um, but there were more controversial words besides those. Um, King Charles was presented with a Bible, as David mentioned, and these words were said, Sir, to keep you ever mindful of the law and gospel of God as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. What do you think of that? This book, more valuable than the 1.5 billion pounds worth of bling that King Charles was to wear, more valuable than anything else in the world. Maybe you find that laughable, to say this book is of more value than health and wealth, success, love. How ridiculous might be your reaction. Or maybe not, maybe you're convinced of what we've been thinking about these Sunday mornings, that the words of this book are God's words, that this book is unlike any other. The Bible's words come to us with God's truth and authority and clarity. Now that is valuable. And yet, even if that's where we are, we might have a feeling the Bible could be more valuable, that it leaves something to be desired. When we have decisions to make, we don't know what to do. And the Bible doesn't give us clear guidance. Lord, I need you to say more or when we come up against something in these pages that seems out of date, beliefs that don't fit with uh, today's world, and we feel like the Bible needs to be updated or supplemented. Lord, I need you to say more. Or when we want a deep relationship with God, pouring through the pages of the Bible feels so uh, stale, impersonal, and we long to hear from God in a more direct personal way. Lord, I need you to say more. Well, this morning, we come to the Bible and finality. This idea 
that scripture is sufficient. In other words, the good news that this book really is the most valuable thing this world affords. We might feel like it leaves something to be desired, but the Bible has everything we need God to say to us. That's the big truth we're going to explore, that these words are God's words, and there's nothing more God needs to say to us than what he says here. Well, it's a big claim, but the key to it is found back in that passage that Benter read for us in Hebrews 1. Um, do flick back to it if you need to on page 1201. Uh, and here's what we're going to see. The Bible has everything we need God to say to us because God has spoken fully and finally in Jesus. Let me read again from verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Notice a bunch of contrasts in those verses, aren't there? There are different times. In the past, God spoke. But in these last days, God has spoken. Different listeners. God spoke to our ancestors. God has spoken to us. Different means, God spoke by the prophets, but now he's spoken by his son. See those differences between verses one and two and the progression, the kind of upward movement from one to the other. And also, you have this phrase in verse one uh, that God spoke at many times and in various ways with no equivalent in verse two. Because in the past, before Jesus, God spoke a little bit at one time, and then a little bit at another time, and then a little bit more at another time. Uh, and God's speaking was this ongoing process in which he revealed himself bit by bit uh, uh, at many times and in various ways. But here's the point. That process has ended. It's complete. Because now God has finished revealing himself in his son, Jesus, which makes, which makes sense when you think about it, if verse three is true, that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If that's true, how could God reveal himself any more fully? In the person of his Son, God himself came into the world as one of us, God in the flesh, Jesus. How could you have a fuller revelation of God than that? But also it's final, back in verse three, that after he, Jesus, had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You know that feeling when you're done for the day with work uh, or with school and you get home and you sit down and let out a big, sigh, because your work is done, complete, finished. Well, that's the idea here, as it is through the whole book of Hebrews, that Jesus can sit down because his work is done in his life, death, resurrection. He's done everything needed to save all who put their trust in him. That's why we're in the last days. That doesn't mean the end of the world is imminent. It means 
there's no new work for Jesus to do between now and the last day when he comes again. His work is finished. And here's the thing, a finished work means a finished word. In Jesus, there's nothing more God needs to do and there's nothing more he needs to say. Now that would be different if we were living in the time before Jesus as God gradually revealed himself, waiting for a savior who would one day pay for our sin and change our hearts and defeat death. If we were living then, we'd still be waiting for God to say more. But this side of Jesus, God has done all we need and said all we need by his son, a finished work and a finished word. So here's how to think of the Bible. Think of a football match. You've got the pre-match warm-up, and then the main event, the match itself, and afterwards the post-match analysis, looking back on what's happened. Well, the Bible's a bit like that. It's all about Jesus. Uh, uh, His life, sorry, it's all about Jesus. Uh, The Old Testament, that's a pre-match warm-up. Everything building up to him. Uh, The Gospels, they record the main event, Jesus himself, his life, death, resurrection. And the rest of the New Testament, that's a post-match analysis, sort of the authorized commentary on what's happened. And here's the point, that with those bits brought together, this book about Jesus is finished, complete. There's nothing more to add. Someone who I think was joking said, you could sum up the Bible's sufficiency this way, the Bible doesn't have a sequel. That's actually quite a good summary because it doesn't need a sequel. God has spoken fully and finally in his son and this is a finished book about him. Well, why does that matter? What difference does it make? Uh, Three areas for the rest of our time together, first, As a finished book about Jesus, the Bible has everything we need God to tell us for our believing, uh, what God wants us to believe. Now, we could feel in today's world the Bible needs an update. Uh, Surely there's more for God to reveal than what we have written here, which actually sounds quite like the sales pitch that other religious groups give us. Here's a new teaching, more spiritual truth, than what you'll find in the Bible. When the truth is, God has spoken fully and finally in Jesus. And he's communicated all we need to us, uh, all we need to us through people called apostles. That's a strange title, apostle. Um, What's that talking about? Well, an apostle is someone authorized by Jesus to speak on his behalf. Peter, James, John, people like that. Uh, They're like official spokesmen of the Christian faith who can tell us what to believe with Jesus' authority. Jesus promised before he left that he would guide them into all the truth about himself, that his spirit would help them in his physical absence to unpack the profound truths about who he was and what he did. And as for us, the way we access that truth is through their writings in the New Testament. 
We've got spirit-led apostolic truth about Jesus right here, which is good, since there aren't any apostles around today. They're all dead. Uh, if someone today claims apostolic authority to tell us some new truth on Jesus' behalf, uh, don't listen to them. If you want to hear from an apostle today, read the Bible. That's all we need to do. And when we do, apostles like Peter and Paul seem to say, don't look for new spiritual truth after we're gone. No, keep remembering what we've told you and dig into it and stick with it. Believe this. You don't need to look elsewhere for spiritual truth. You've got it all here. And that has implications for churches and for church leaders. It means it's not the church's job to create new doctrine for us to believe. And churches shouldn't require us to believe anything that goes beyond scripture. No, the church's job is really to be quite unoriginal, not to say something new, but to keep repeating what God has said in his finished word about his son. That should be the point of every creed, like the one we'll say uh, a bit later, every sermon like this, every Christian book, to preserve and proclaim God's finished truth from the Bible. And on that, I just want to clar clarify something. Um, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, at one time, you could have said there's more truth for God to reveal, uh, that God's word is going to develop further. You could have said that before Jesus, but it's no longer the case. Now that Christ has come, there's no more development to happen in God's revelation. And so when it comes to what the church should believe about something, what we should believe about something, we're not left wondering, might God have something more to say than what we've got written here? In other words, we're not to treat the Bible like it's an unfinished book. Um, here's what I mean. You probably know that sometimes, sadly, an author will die while they're still writing a book, uh, and someone else is brought in to finish the job uh, of looking at what they've got and imagining what the author might have said. So they fill in gaps and follow trajectories and develop the raw material that they've got in front of them. Well, can I just say, it doesn't work that way with the Bible. The Bible isn't just a starting point for Christian belief, something we jump off from and imagine, what might God have said? Because with Jesus, the Bible is finished. We have what God has said. The author has spoken in full, and wonderfully, we can know what he thinks and what he wants us to believe. So that's our believing. Here's a second area. The Bible has everything we need God to say to us for our living. Uh, now this is probably obvious. There's loads the Bible doesn't tell us. If we open the Bible hoping to find out the rules of algebra or how volcanoes work or what time the bus leaves, we're gonna be disappointed. Um, but that's okay, because God has given us scientists uh, and schools and bus timetables to tell us those things. They're not a secret. But then there are some secret things we might wish the Bible did tell us. Where did evil come from? What exactly is heaven gonna be like? 
Uh, when's Jesus going to return? Or more personally, should I get married? Who should I marry? Should I move? What kind of job should I do? Things like that. And lots to say, but I think this verse is helpful, that there are secret things which God hasn't told us, but the things revealed belong to us for this purpose, that we might follow the words of this law. In other words, God has revealed what he has so that we might live obedient lives. And the stuff he hasn't revealed, we don't need to know for that purpose. We don't need to know where evil comes from to resist it. We don't need to know when Jesus is going to return to be ready for him. We don't need to know, we don't need God to tell us whether to get married or be single or take this job or that because we can be godly Christians, single or married, programmer or plumber, uh, listening to what God has said. And even if I end up regretting some of my choices, I can still live faithfully in my situation, listening to what God says in his words. See, the Bible won't tell us everything about being a teenager or a teacher or a parent, but it does have everything we need God to say to us, to live lives that please him in all those roles. Of course, God helps us through godly examples, and we keep each other right by passing on really helpful wisdom and encouraging each other, challenging each other where we need to. But to know what God says about living a life that pleases him in Jesus, we need only read the Bible. And here's something that does for us. It protects us. Someone who says, here's the way that Christians must go about dating. Uh, or a Christian must vote for this political party and not that one. Or to please God, you must read the Bible every day. You must be part of a church small group. Well, maybe some helpful wisdom to some of those things. Uh, and the Bible does say things that inform how Christians date and do church and vote. But the Bible doesn't settle those things. It leaves room for judgment about what's wise. And so if someone tells us that Christians must or must not do something uh, which the Bible doesn't settle, well, they're putting words in God's mouth, requiring something more than what God does, something extra, and we are not bound to listen to them. I should just say on that, God has put authorities in place. The government is allowed to tell us which side of the road to drive on. Uh, parents, uh, fortunately children, are allowed to tell you to go to, go to bed. Uh, church leaders are allowed to make some decisions about ordering church life. Those are legitimate, legitimate exercises of authority. But none of those can claim an authority equal with God's. They all sit under his authority and are subject to his word, and we relate to them remembering that. So that's our living. Uh, more briefly, one final area. The Bible has everything we need God to say to us for our relating to him. All this talk, the Bible has everything we need God to say, might raise a question for us, well, couldn't God speak in other ways? Can't he speak to us in audible words, dreams, stuff like that? And I wanna say, 
Of course he could. He's God. He can speak to us however he likes. But if we hear anything in those ways, here's what we do. We test it against God's word, the Bible. Because here he tells us what he requires us to believe, what he requires us to do. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict that. But I want to finish by saying this. Yes, God could speak to us in other ways, but we do not need him to. We're not missing out if we never have that experience. Because the Bible's words, they're not just things God said to people a long time ago. Back in Hebrews, the writer quotes from a psalm, something God said a long time before, but he introduces it like this, as the Holy Spirit says, not said, past tense, to others, but says, today, to us. See, the words God spoke, he still speaks today. When we open the Bible, the living God is addressing us. We're hearing his voice directly, personally. We're encountering God in these words. And that's a good place to leave things. Uh, this book is the most valuable thing this world affords, not because of the book itself, but because in it, we hear God's voice telling us all we need to believe in him and live for him and relate to him. We value this book because we value him. And so weirdly, one day, we won't value this book very much at all because we won't need it. When Christ comes and faith turns to sight and we see him face to face, until then, in this world, we have the most valuable thing we need right here. Well, we're going to sing one final song, but first, let me pray. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the Bible. Um, thank you that you have given us all we need for our believing, living, knowing you, uh, because you've spoken finally and fully in your Son. Uh, please, Lord, uh, help us to read your word, and please direct our attention to him, that we might know him better, and trust him, and live for him. Uh, and we pray things that you've impressed on us this series over the past few weeks, help us to take away uh, what is helpful for each one of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.